Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 98 of Parenting in Real Life. To start with our Parenting in Real Life moment today, we have a really stressful one. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) I'm still a little bit PTSD about it. So the kids, Alan and I were cleaning out the garage, actually. So this happened on Saturday. We were cleaning out the garage, and one of the kids' bedroom is right above the garage. And I could hear them jumping and stuff, but... That's not unusual for kids to be jumping in their room. So I don't think we really thought anything of it. And then Lucy came downstairs and she's like, Jack put balls in my pants. And we're like, what What balls? And then she showed us and they're the little tiny white balls. Styrofoam balls that we put in our son's beanbag chair. Beanbag balls. And we're like, oh, shoot. So we go upstairs so his beanbag <laughs> has had leaks several times. I hate this beanbag. One yeah. star. Would not recommend. The seams keep ripping. I mean, it's really cute. It's a Baby Yoda one, but the seams just keep ripping. Okay. Yeah. And these little balls fit through even the smallest crack. So mm-hmm. even, anyway, he knows very well that when he sees a rip or a crack that he should put it away in mom's room because we sew it up. And we've done that four or five times because this thing's the worst. But they had friends over and... Apparently, they were doing an amusement park, and they thought it was cool to have snow at the amusement park. (laughs) Their room literally was covered. It looked like snow. Like two inches of styrofoam (laughs) balls. Balls everywhere. And we're just like, no. The the thing that's really frustrating about these balls is they're super hard to clean up because they're so staticky and so lightweight that they just... Like, you use the vacuum, and they just kind of blow all over the place because, you know, there's air coming out of the vacuum, so they just kind of float everywhere and then they stick to everything like they're sticking on walls and backs of doors and it was all leaked into the hall they were everywhere and we're still finding them everywhere till we die (laughs) someone had washed their hands to get them off i guess and then i saw them floating in the seat like at the bottom of the drain like they're just floating in there (laughs) Like, oh. <laughs> there are some countries like Australia and New Zealand that have outlawed this kind of styrofoam because it's the devil. And I couldn't support a lot more. <laughs> it is so annoying. So if you have a beanbag chair for your kids. So we got one for Nathan that is better because the balls are a little bit bigger and it has a net case that you can open and close, but that goes inside the beanbag chair. So if the beanbag were to rip or were to open, the balls are still in a netted case. So yeah, that the beanbag hasn't ripped. It, yeah. Like this other one just prioritizes cuteness and not functionality. Yeah. I also, I think there's non-styrofoam solutions for beanbags. Like love sacks have foam, torn foam in them. Yeah. And I think they're more comfortable more and they don't ripping. do this for sure. But right. some things you either just don't get it. <laughs> Or you pony up and you pay the price. Well, that's the thing. I had to buy two bags of these styrofoam things. So that 
cost money plus the case. And so it ended up being a lot more than I wanted to spend on these beanbag chairs. And so I think that's why I kept holding on to it. I'm like, no, we spent a lot of money on it. I don't want to throw it away, even though the seams kept ripping and I would just sew it back up. Sunk costs. But we should have just thrown it away. <laughs> the only silver lining to this thing is that it was kind of satisfying to vacuum the stuff up. <laughs> I was using the hose and you would just run it across a pile of it and it would just, it was pretty cool. That's true. I do feel like you weren't super frustrated cleaning it up. So that was our parenting real life moment this Disaster. week. <laughs> we almost didn't go trick-or-treating because I was like, we're going to be doing this for the rest of our lives. It's true. It was on Halloween. And we were just like, really? On Halloween? You guys are going to do this? Yep. <laughs> and now for our Hot Mess Hot Minute. So we are at the end of a 29-month renovation of our home. And we could have built several homes in that time period, we are aware. <laughs> but it's been a ride. And so today we're going to talk about our learnings. This isn't necessarily parenting, but it was definitely the reason why we did things is because we needed new spaces because we got kids and stuff everywhere. So we thought if you are finding yourself at the front end of a renovation, here are some do's and don'ts, things that we wish we would have done different or known about going in. So we started this process almost two years ago. We hired a contractor in January of 2020. And we had everything ready to go. He was going to start at the end of March of 2020. And we all know what happened in March. So that did not happen. So everything just stopped. Like we hadn't even started. Everything we were doing halted. And so we waited a couple months. So we did such a big overhaul on our house that we needed to get a loan and refinanced our house to add on top of it. And so we had to wait for a company who was willing to do construction loans. And that took a long time. And then once we finally found someone, it took another six months for all, I don't know why it took so long, but it did. And so we started construction January of 2021. And here we are November 2021. And we are so, so close to being done, but that's how long it took. And it was a massive project. We finished our basement, so the basement wasn't done, so we added bedrooms and a bathroom and a living room down there. We redid the main floor. We knocked down a wall. We completely redid our kitchen, gutted everything, and redid that. We did all the flooring in our house, and we also redid the master bedroom and master bathroom. So it was a big project. There was lots to do. We've touched every single square foot of this house. So that's another reason why it took so long. Yep. And just before we even get into the do's and don'ts, I feel like I'm still mixed. I'm a big fan of like, love where you're at, you know, but there was things that were really frustrating. Did we do more than we needed to? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things when you do a renovation that it's just cheaper and easier to do at the same time, at least theoretically. I don't, I don't know if that theory panned out for us because <laughs> it took so long. And our contractor was specialized at one thing, but was willing to do the other stuff and was not good at the other stuff. So there's some learnings there too. But I will say, like, I, I don't think you should feel pressured to do a renovation. No. Like, I think you should be really smart about a renovation and do it to get it so your house fits your family. But I, I think we're all too obsessed with having the fanciest whatever, and we're not immune to that. And I think our house proves that. We have a lot of fancy stuff we don't need. So that's that's my disclaimer. Don't necessarily do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> the The main reason that I wanted to do it and why I felt justified in doing the renovation was to add more bedrooms. So that helps with our kids being able to spread out a little bit more. And the second reason was to open the main living room because I felt 
just how it was designed. I wanted a better gathering place. I want to be able to entertain and invite people over and have our home be a place for people to come. And I felt like with how it looked right now, it, it wasn't working. And so those were the two main reasons that I felt like, okay, we can do a renovation and I feel good about this because we're going to use the space better. Not just, I mean, we all, we definitely did upgrades on how I liked things more because our house was all brown and I wanted whites and grays. And so we definitely did a lot of that stuff too in the process, but what started it was just functioning. It wasn't yep. functioning for our family. And it was great. Alexis had 24 women at our house the other day for a game night and it fit great. They all fit in that one space and you couldn't have done that before without separating groups and feeling awkward. So it did do what it was supposed to do. I just always feel like with everything you see and hear, you just feel like if you aren't updating your house, you're a failure, and that's not true. Yeah, you don't have to do that at all. So here we go. Top three do's. Okay, number one is keep track of your budget. So we we had a budget because this, you know, this was the amount in our loan, and we had priced everything out with our contractor and about how much it was going to cost to all fit in here. But we added some projects on. We kind of changed some things a little bit. And there is like a contingency amount where they save like an extra 10% that you can use. So 10% over your budget because you'll find things later you need to add or whatever. And so our contractor was like, oh, well, we can probably fit that in this 10%. But he wasn't actually keeping track of it. And neither were we. And we went way over that 10%. <laughs> <laughs> and I, even more than that, I will say, like, I don't think our contractor was dishonest per se, but there were some red flags right out of the gate where the bank did make us line item every single thing and say, here's how much the materials cost and here's how much the labor cost. And our contractor did that. But even then he was like, don't read into this. Like, I'm just giving them what they need, but these aren't accurate. And that should have made us more nervous than it did. If I did it again, I would have like, you need to tell me what is this thing going to cost and break out the materials cost and the labor cost. And if your contractor doesn't feel comfortable doing that, don't feel comfortable with your contractor because they should be able to do that or they're not familiar enough with your project and it's probably going to struggle anyway. So do that and you have to own it. Your contractor may act like he's doing this. Our contractor acted like he was on top of it. So we weren't doing our due diligence to say this line item was over and this line item was cheaper or whatever. And so we ended up spending way more than we expected on this thing. Yeah. And even like this final bill that he had, he had double charged us on something. And I was like, no, we've already paid for that. And he didn't think that we had. And then I showed him an email. I'm like, no, here's the email where you have it listed in the payment and he was like oh okay and he adjusted yeah. it but then i was like well shoot did that happen other times that right. he hadn't taken good notes and he double charged us we have no idea yep you know this is old school balancing your checkbook stuff you have mm -hmm. to say this is how much i thought i was going to spend this is how much i did spend this is, i've given this money to the contractor you have to track all those plans actuals and in and out flows because nobody else is and i i think you will always be on the losing end of that so it is hard because honestly, I felt like I took on a full-time job with this renovation because I was not only talking to my contractor, but I was talking to all the subcontractors and I was organizing everything and when they're coming and who's doing what. And then when they're here, they're asking me questions and like, okay, well, how do you want this? And what do you want to do here? And so it took so much time and effort to do this that adding like a budget piece on top of that is a lot. And so just know when you're going into that project, it's going to take 
a lot of time and effort. But I think if you have like a spreadsheet set up and ready to go and just take some time every week to work on it, maybe that would help. And this is where our, our next point is get a general contractor for big projects. But the flip side of that is don't think that they're going to general contract their way through this, at least not in today's world. General contractors are way too busy. You're one of a million projects. I mean, we did a huge, huge project, and we were still like one of a million projects, and we were always bottom of the priority list. So you've got to plan on doing all of this. This is where I don't know if it paid off to do everything at once. It was nice to kind of just, your house is a disaster, and so it's nice to just have that and then be done. But on the other hand, it would have kind of been nice to have this guy do the kitchens that he's really good at and then found our own guy to do the basements with somebody that's good at basements. We ended up doing that for the last few things. And we found a carpenter because what we need to do is carpentry stuff. And it's way cheaper. And for the first time in our project, it's on schedule. And so I do think that there's a disadvantage to a general contractor, especially if that's not their real job. Like if your general contractor is doing the work, then that would make me nervous. That's how our general contractor was. He's a kitchens guy. He installed the cabinets. That's how he makes his money. He just does the other stuff to make people buy his kitchens. Worked for us, but I wouldn't do it again. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so too. It is really hard to find contractors right now too. And I think one of the good things that happened about a general contractor is he has all these connections with all of these subcontractors, right? That was great. He has an electrician and a plumber and all that stuff, and they respond to him so much better than if I ever called. So that was great to have him motivating them because he's going to give them more work and we're just a one-time project. That being said, I was also calling all of these subcontractors and scheduling things with them because sometimes it was just easier because he was kind of the middleman, right? And he was doing the in-between work and it took longer for them to show up. The thing that he was good at was making the initial connection. The thing that he was bad at was actually planning the project and getting people here when they needed to be, which may not be true of all general contractors, but I have several friends that are doing renovations or building homes or whatever. Sounds like it's pretty common. So if your contractor does not have a project manager, that is just a role that you need to take on and be in charge of scheduling people because I was just surprised how often they'd be like, okay, we're going to do this now. And then they would have their subcontractors like, okay, well, now we need to add this person. I'm like, no, why did we not call this person while you were doing this project so they can show up when, when you're done, yeah. you know? So you, that is a role that you're going to have to take on. And everybody's way backed up. So even in the best case scenario, I think you're going to be writing people to get to your house. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are people I had to call multiple times to get here, <laughs> even with the contractor. And then sometimes my contractor would have to call them too. Definitely expect delays. All the contractors we've talked to said that they have more than enough work right now. Nobody's hurting for work. Mm-hmm. So the one thing we will say is bang for our buck, I think a reno was a much better deal. Yeah, before we started the reno, we looked into buying a new house. I'm like, what if we just buy a new house and so we don't have to do the renovation? And we looked into a couple of houses and they were a lot more expensive for the size that we needed and what we wanted done and everything. The layouts are just not what we wanted. And it's hard to find lots with big yards now. So we decided to stick with the reno rather than buying new. And I do think if you look at like how much we owe on this house versus if we would have bought a new house, it was cheaper to renovate our house. Yeah. For sure. 
And now for the don'ts. Well, there felt like there were some don'ts in there. <laughs> They're like, do this, but don't do this. Do this so this doesn't happen. Right. I don't know. They're just tips, okay? Lay off us. <laughs> the first is don't do a rental during a pandemic. And I know you don't always get to choose. We didn't. But it was just a mess. Everything's a mess right now. But especially in the middle of that, it took us six months to get our loan that should have taken a month. Once we started, all the commodity prices went up. Everything was on back order. People were way more busy than they usually are because everybody was doing a reno. So this is a hard don't because you may not be able to choose the environment in which you do a reno, but we picked a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, like wood, that was a big one. Like we had ordered all the wood before the prices went up. But, like, steel and glass and stuff had gone up during the renovation. So that was kind of a bummer, but it kind of – it is what it is. So, Yep. The second don't is don't always go with your contractor's opinions. Uh, Trust your own taste and what you want. Because there were definitely times when we were talking about, like, the design and what we planned to do that our contractor was like, oh, well, you could do this and you should do this. I was like, well, that's not really what I want. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I guess that's nice. That's not what I was thinking and I think because they would prefer to do it that way, you know, but yeah, and you got to remember that, right? Like they're incentivized to do things that either make them more money or are easier to do so they can do it faster. Yeah. And so we had a designer come in and give us some tips even. And when we told him we had a designer, he was like, oh, like you could tell he was frustrated because he knew that was going to make his life harder. But I think that was also a, maybe that should have been the dues. I feel like I knew what I wanted style-wise, but there were just some, like, where should I put some things, just how we were opening up our living room space and stuff like. I wasn't sure where to put furniture, and so I hired a friend who's a designer, and she helped me figure that out, and it was great. I'm like, okay, now I feel like I have a good vision of where things are going. I didn't need help with colors and stuff like that, but designers are great for that, too. If you're not really sure what you want, then they can help you, like, hey, let's, you know, pick out all these different types of, like, tile and cabinet colors and stuff like that. Rather than doing that through your contractor because they're going to do what they like better. Yep. The last one is don't assume contractors are going to show up when they say they will. And we kind of already got into this, but you are not the most important thing in their life (laughs) or in their job probably, right? And so I just think they're incentivized by money, which is fine. It's how they make a living. And for us, the kitchen was the big part where our contractor made a lot of money and That was the part that was on time and everything else was pulling teeth. And so just know their incentives. And I think part of that's just like emotionally prepare. (laughs) Yeah. There are lots of times where people said they were going to show up and then they definitely didn't. And then I hear nothing. And sometimes it would push things out like a week or even two weeks sometimes. And I'm like, okay, now our project's two weeks behind, you know? So definitely schedule in some buffer room too if you're on a deadline like we were with our loan we had to be done by a certain day and so when things kept getting pushed out and we had to stress really fast at the end to get things mm-hmm. the at least the things that we told the bank we were going to do that all that stuff had to be done mm-hmm. and i think something i would do different related is up front i would let your contractor know that getting a realistic schedule is more important than an aggressive schedule to you mm-hmm. and we did that with our carpenter we're like hey we know that you're super busy We just want to know when you can actually get this done. And we're not as concerned with having it done tomorrow. Because our contractor, he told us what? Six weeks or something? No, it was longer than that. It was probably like three months. Like we were supposed to be done like in three months. Every time we talked to him, even when the thing was behind three months, he was like, oh yeah, we can be done by then. Oh, he always was just so reassuring on when we would be done. And 
obviously 24 months later like <laughs> it so we should have done a better job with him being like hey you know what just give us a date that you can hit and we started pushing him with that at the end but it was not his style i know i never felt like we got a good date out of him no there were all the time i'm like okay can you commit on a day when we can get this done and he could not commit He's like, no, he's like, I'm going to try to get done or no, it definitely won't happen this week, but I'll try to get done this next week. But it would be like a month later. (laughs) Yep. So I would, I would vet people for that. Call people they've done work for and, and ask that question. How good are they at staying on schedule? Nobody's going to be perfect. I don't think you'll find somebody that's perfect, but I think our contract was on the far end of the spectrum of being pretty disorganized. Yeah. And I think you'll just find that like some of the subcontractors that came were amazing. Like they did a good job. They came when they were supposed to, you know, they show up. They didn't charge me for little things they needed to fix. There were some really good ones. And, then and ironically, the- those were the ones we found ourselves. Like we got our own painters. We were getting our own carpenters. Those are the ones that came when they said and did what they said and it cost what they said. Our electrician was really good. Oh, and that's fair. our contractor found that one. He was awesome. He was good. Except <laughs> he did send... Uh, apprentice who messed things up big time in our basement. <laughs> it was if we our had, house falls down someday, it'll be because our electrician's apprentice. He did some bad stuff. So, anyway, the electrician felt bad, and I think that guy's not working for him anymore. But he did come and fix what he could, and didn't charge us for that because that was his mistake. Yeah. But we had some big headaches because of this apprentice. So, yeah. <laughs> so, if you're gonna do a reno, do it for the right reasons, and buckle up. It's gonna be a ride. Yeah, it's going to be hard and exhausting through the whole thing, but I love our house now. Like, it's what I thought it was going to be. We have more space for our family, and like Alan said, we were able to entertain, and we like our neighborhood and stuff like that, so we wanted to stay here. We love our yard. So, For the first two years we were here, Alexis kept saying, oh, I miss our house in Wisconsin, which was smaller. It didn't have grass. Like, it, I was like, what do you miss? But it was just like... I think it's just the... It was more her style? Well, it was more my style, and it was our very first house, and we only got to live there a year. So I think I feel sad. I'm like, shoot, our very first house that we bought, I was so excited to, like, make it ours, and we didn't really get that chance. Yeah. So I think it was just kind of nostalgic, like... And I I did. I liked that the structure. We had wood floors, and I liked the colors because I got to pick that in this house... I hated everything. <laughs> yep. So she's finally starting to sort of barely kind of maybe admit that she likes this house more than that one. No, I designed this house. I like it tons better. It's so much more my style. It functions so much better. So I do really like this house. And Alan and I are hoping to never move. <laughs> That's the plan. If we don't have to. So we've made this house be able to fit our family forever. That's right. the goal. Until my knees break down, which we, they will someday. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to not have a two-story home. And that's not to say that we don't have things that we don't have, right? Like, it would be great to have a personal gym and a or an, bigger, <laughs> an even bigger kitchen or a butler's pantry. There oh, are yeah. things that we could have and things we see and wish we had, but we fit here. And, and at this point, we feel like if we upgraded, it would be just getting spendy and... Well, it would be like to a million dollar home. That's kind of the next jump. It's a big jump in our price of how much yeah. we would be, be able kind of crazy. To, yeah. And it's like, are we willing to spend that money on a house? No. We totally could. And it would be fun. And I would love it. But it means that we wouldn't do other stuff. And I'd rather do that other stuff. Yeah. So I guess we're it's try just. And hold back. It depends what your financial goals are, right? Yep. We want to travel. We want to maybe have a vacation place somewhere someday, somehow. And those things 
get less likely if we're putting all our money into our mortgage. Mm -hmm. So we made this house work for us. And fit comfortably within our budget. Yep. Our next project is our backyard. Our backyard is big and it's great, but there's just ways that we want to make it better. <laughs> it's not as urgent, so we're hopeful that yeah. we can do more slowly and also hopefully some of it ourselves. Yep. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> We're not that good at doing that. Well, I think part of it too is just a time thing. It's like then you're dedicating all of your free time to yeah. projects. All your nights and weekends are now doing that. So it's, I think you also have to value your time. Like how much is my time worth? Can I get this done? Or is it better just to pay someone to have them do it and I can use my time in a different way? So that's also something to consider when you're doing projects is can I do this myself? Is Do I have the skills? Do I have the time? Or is it better just to pay someone else to do it? Generally the answer for us is no. But we're going to try and push the limits here outside a little bit. Know that we don't have the skills. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We are skillless. I'm surprised how many people do have the skills. I know quite a few people who have finished their basements on their own and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, where did you learn all this? Sorry. You did not marry that guy. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that wasn't something I was looking for in a companion, yeah. but I'm just surprised how many people can kind of do it themselves. Good for them. I think it's awesome. Yep. We're learning. All right. Take luck. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Alexis, thanks for your great research and your amazing editing. And Alan, thanks for showing up. <laughs> Happy to help. You can follow us on Instagram at Alexis Tanner Lane or find us on our website at alexistannerlane.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And as always, a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.